Rick Warren's epic clapback to the SBC and addressing the issue of women pastors. If you guys aren't aware of what's been going on, Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church, one of the biggest churches in America before he retired, still is one of the biggest churches. And what happened was he appeared at the convention and made a case for should they or should they not ordain women. Now, fast forward just a couple months ago, SBC, basically the Southern Baptist Convention, it's the biggest evangelical denomination out there, kicked Rick Warren out of the convention because of this very issue. So he went on Christianity Today and gave an interview and talked about this. So we're going to be looking specifically at that controversy. Then we're going to be looking at how he views women elders. I'll be giving you guys my opinion, which may shock some of you, it may not, and really addressing on is this a core essential of the faith, a primary, main, plain thing of the faith, or is this a secondary thing? What does it all mean? We're talking about all of it. And so this clapback was, you know, I think it's fair to say was pretty epic. Um, so Rick Warren's definitely not holding back. We're going to pull it up here in just a moment. And uh, let's jump in. With with all of the, the crises involving the treatment of women, sexual abuse within the SBC, that saying that a church um, is giving women too much uh, is really not the problem in uh, the SBC as I uh, see it. And I couldn't believe that, that that's what uh, they were taking up. But, you know, the, the question. Well, let, me, let me say a word about that. Yeah. It's not an accident that the same voices that said we cannot protect women from abuse Whoa. because of the autonomy of the local church are the same voices that are saying, but we can prevent them from being called pastors. All right, now if you don't understand what he's talking about, basically what happened was the SBC had a watch list of sorts of about 700 offenders of SA and other things, and they felt like they couldn't do anything about these because these were autonomous churches. However, uh, they definitely kept a Rolodex of the guys that did this sort of offending, if you know what I'm talking about. There's a huge controversy. We covered it here. I can't go into details. So he's saying it's funny how this denomination that is, uh, how should we say, kept this list and, and said they can't do anything because these are autonomous churches, at the same time is telling him that you can't ordain women and now you're out. That's a pretty serious clapback if you're really paying attention to the situation, okay? Let's get back to this. Yeah. In the autonomy of the local church. So yeah. it only the autonomy only matters if it's convenient for you. In other words, they clearly think we have say in your church over staff titles, mm -hmm. uh, but it was it was a misnomer to say, well, we don't we can't do anything. We're not responsible for this uh, abuse that's going on because they're all independent. Of wow. Autonomous church. Nonsense. So some uh, some of them would probably say, well, the, the confession of faith uh, says that uh, the office of pastor is to be held by men qualified by scripture. Yeah, yeah. And Saddleback now has women pastors. How do you see that? Well, in the first place. So he's saying he points back and says, hey, well, you're you know, their confession of faith, the confession of faith that you signed up for as a Southern Baptist has this specific language in it. And so listen to Rick Warren's response. And then we're going to go a little deeper. Southern Baptists have always been anti-creedal. I grew up with the phrase, we have no creed but Christ, we have no book but the Bible. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. There's an entire campaign of uh, people attempting to get a bunch of Christians to, uh, Christian influencers, public Christians, to affirm the early uh, creed right now. Like, that, that's a thing that's happening. So I never knew that Southern Baptists weren't, didn't like creeds. Like, that's kind of like what he's saying, okay? This is not a battle between liberals and conservatives. 
All the liberals left a long time ago. Everybody in the FBC believes in the inerrancy of scripture. Now we're talking about difference of interpretation. Uh -huh. Those particular passages, Titus, Timothy, and, and Corinthians, have hundreds, literally hundreds of interpretations. We should be able to expel people over sin, racism, That's sexual good. abuse, okay. uh, other sexual sins, things like that. But this is over, over uh, 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 you mean, wait a minute, we can disagree over the atonement. We can disagree over um, uh, um, election, and, and, and we can disagree over dispensationalism. We can disagree over the second coming. We can disagree over the nature of sin, but we can't disagree over what you name your staff. Mm -hmm. uh, listen, man, I'm gonna give you guys my opinion of this towards the end, so you gotta watch till the end. But, Rick is making a pretty good argument here. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, okay? Here's the difference. This is uh, the same old battle that's been going on for 100 years in the SBC is between conservative Baptists and fundamental Baptists. Ah, he did it. He went for the fundamental Baptist card. It's always fun to dunk on a fundamentalist, right? Now, fundamentalism is a word that has changed meaning. A hundred years ago, I would have called myself a, a fundamentalist mm -hmm. because in the 1920s, it meant you hold the historic doctrines of, uh, uh, of the church, the blood atonement of Christ, uh, uh, you know, the authority of scripture, uh, uh, you know, all of the basic cardinal doctrines of evangelical Protestantism. Mm -hmm. But, but that word has changed because now we have fundamental Methodists, I mean, excuse me, fundamental Muslims, mm -hmm. fundamental Buddhists. We have fundamental atheists. We have fundamental right. communists. We have fundamentalists who are secularists. It, today, a fundamentalist means you've stopped listening. Mm -hmm. It means you've stopped listening. So the number one mark of it, I believe in the inerrancy of scripture. I do not believe in the inerrancy of your interpretation, nor of mine, for that matter, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is why I have to say I could be wrong. Mm. Okay, uh, We have to approach Scripture humbly, saying I, I could be wrong. Hey, if you're enjoying this so far, be sure to smash the like button. It really does help us a ton with the algorithm. Let's try to get this video to a couple thousand views, and uh, that's how you can help right now. Uh, I ne you'll never hear a fundamentalist say that. I yeah. could be wrong. A, a conservative Baptist believes in the inerrancy of scripture, a fundamentalist Baptist believes in the inerrancy of their of their interpretation. I mean, listen, Rick Warren is a good orator. You cannot take that away from him. So he's making a very compelling case. He's saying it's not about the inerrancy of scripture. It's about the inerrancy of a specific type of view. And he's going to get to a couple of Bible verses here in a second. And then he's going on to say that we have to be humble because these are, again, he's going to say these are secondary things. And so we have to be humble with how we approach these things. And he's saying, I could, I could be wrong on this. He is saying that he could be wrong on this. That's, that's a big difference. But you, of course, would agree that if, uh, if Saddleback had uh, baptized babies, uh, for, for instance, that, yeah, yeah. That, that other churches would say, okay, well, we, we have all kinds of churches that do that, but Saddleback's not a Baptist church if they do that. Right, right exactly, exactly. Right. Well, here's the thing. I believe the church at its best was the church at its birth. And honestly, I have to say this. I wasn't planning on talking about this with you, Russell, but first, I understand why people get upset about this because I believed the way they did until three years ago. Mm. And I actually had to change because of scripture. Culture could not change me on this issue. Antidotes could not change me hmm. on this issue. Pressure from other people would not change me on this issue. What changed me was when I came to con confrontation with four scriptures nobody ever talked about that I felt had strong implications about women in ministry. And nobody had ever shown it to me. I knew the Titus passage. I knew the, 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 the Timothy passage. I knew 1 Corinthians. And, I, and every time people say, why don't you have women pastors? They say, show me a verse. You give me one verse, you know, I'll, I'll consider it because I'm a Bible guy. I mm -hmm. can't just say, well, everybody's doing it. 
or I've been to 165 countries and I've seen churches of 30, 40, 50,000 people led by a senior pastor who's a woman. Uh, that's not enough for me. Mm-hmm. I have to have a biblical basis. Three years ago, um, right after I had taken uh, the leadership of uh, finishing the task, and that's something else I hope we can talk about later on. During When COVID hit, I started reading every book I could find on the Great Commission and on church history. So here's he's going to make his argument for the scriptural side of this, okay? So l- let's see how he lays this out. And I read over 200 books. That's a lot of books, man. Shout, shout out to anybody out here reading over 200 books in a year or whatever that is. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. On the Great Commission and on uh, the history of missions. And I, wa- I was asking two questions. One, why did the church grow fastest in the first 300 years? What, we went from 120 people in the upper room to becoming the official religion of the Roman Empire in 300 years. Mm-hmm. In my library, I have a Roman denarius of 87 with Caesar on the coin. But in 320, I've got a picture of a denarius with a cross on the coin. That's major cultural change. Church history is fascinating. So let's see where he takes this. And the church grew about 50% a decade for the first 300 years. And I made a list of about 25 things that they did that we're not doing today as a church. I also made a list of the things that we have that we think we have to have that they didn't have. Mm. They didn't have planes, trains, automobiles. They didn't have church buildings. There were no church buildings in the fastest period of growth of the church for the first 300 years. I've been in the oldest church in Malula, Syria, in a small little church seats about 50 people. Uh, they had no pulpits. The idea that one guy... By the way, the, 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 the truth is that the moment they could meet in buildings, they did meet in buildings. So it's not like they intentionally didn't meet in buildings. I don't know if he's trying to say that. Uh, I'm assuming him being a megachurch pastor or a retired megachurch pastor, I don't think he would believe that. But that is important to note. Stand behind a pulpit and preach? That wasn't New Testament worship. In that study, caused me to change my view about women. Nothing else could have studied it as I came upon three different scriptures. First, the Great Commission. Now, Baptists, Southern Baptists like to call ourselves Great Commission Baptists. Mm-hmm. And we claim that we believe the Great Commission is for everybody. Both men and women are to fulfill the Great Commission. Well, not really, you don't believe that, because it says there are four verbs in the Great Commission. Go, make disciples, baptize, and teach. Women are to go. Women are to make disciples. Women are to baptize. And women are to teach. Not. I think he's right. However... Does that mean that women should be lead pastors? That's what we're about to get to. Is the question, can women be lead pastors? Not teach, not baptize, not lead, not participate, not disciple, but be lead senior pastors. Just men. Now, this is one of the reasons why Saddleback has baptized more people than any church in American history. 57,000 adult baptisms in 43 years. Why? Because in our church, if you went into Christ, you get to baptize them. So if a mom wants to baptize her child or a wife wants to baptize her husband that she led to Christ, anybody can baptize anybody they led to Christ. 57,000 baptized. It's the liberation, the emancipation of every member as a minister that truly we believe in the priesthood of the priest most of the time instead of the priesthood of the believer. Now, great commission, go make disciples, baptize, teach. You can't say, well, the first two are for men and women. The last two are only for men or maybe just ordained men. That, that, I don't think that would be my argument. I don't think that would be Mike Winger's argument who just did a very comprehensive multi-part, probably 15 hours of content on this very specific topic of women in ministry. I don't think that's any, I don't know who's arguing that, to be to be honest. That's eisegesis. That's I, you, you got a problem. Who authorized women to teach? Jesus. All authority is given to me. Therefore, teach. 
All authority is given to me. Therefore, baptize. You got a problem with the Great Commission. Mm. I had to repent when I actually looked at the Great Commission. Mm. I had to say, it's not just for ordained men. It's for everybody. The second thing that changed my mind was the day of Pentecost. Two things happened on that day. We know the first day of the church, the church is its birth, is the church at its best. On that day in, at Pentecost, we know women were in the upper room. We know women were filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. We know that women were preaching in languages that other people couldn't hear to a mixed audience. We know women. It wasn't just men. Women were preaching on the day of Pentecost. How do we know that? Because Peter felt obligated to explain it. And so in Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 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 17 and 18, he goes, hey, guys, these people aren't drunk. What you're seeing was foretold by Joel. It was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And he said, so he explains why you're now seeing women preaching on the very first day of the church. He explains it. And he says, this is that that Joel predicted. Mm-hmm. And here's what he says. In the last days, and clearly that means Peter thought the last days began with the birth of the church. We're in the latter of the last days now. We don't know how many more there will be, but the last days began with the birth of church. Peter says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. That's different than the Old Testament. Russell, I've I've looked at over 300 commentaries. on. Okay, so he's using that verse, sons and daughters will prophesy, as the conclusion that daughters will be lead pastors. That, that, that's where I'm, I'm, I'm trying to follow along. But before we get there, I got to show you something crazy. Hey, you want to see something crazy? Over 51% of the people who watch this channel are not subscribed. And the ones that are subscribed, only 10% have their bell notification on. So do me a favor. Please hit that subscribe button. Turn the bell notification on so you don't miss anything we have going here. All right? I appreciate you. So here he's going to start answering the question, which I think many of us have, is what about elders? Verses. Okay. And it's interesting to me that almost everybody goes, yep, in the, in the church, everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to preach. Everybody gets to prophesy. And the people who don't like that ignore that verse. John MacArthur doesn't even cover that verse. He just skips over it. Whoa, whoa, he's shooting shots at John MacArthur. Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Mac fanboys are going to lose it over this if they haven't already. Wow. And then the third thing that changed my mind, see, none of this had to do with culture, mm-hmm. had to do with scripture. And then all of a sudden I noticed that the very first sermon, the very first Christian sermon, the message of the gospel of good news of the resurrection, Jesus chose a woman to deliver it to men. The very first sermon, Rick, uh, maybe the very first proclamation, but sermon? He had Mary Magdalene go and tell the disciples. Now, that clearly wasn't an accident. It was an intentional. It's a whole new world, baby. Now, he has a woman go tell the apostles. You got on, can a woman teach an apostle? Evidently, did it on the first day. He chose her to be the first preacher of the gospel. So you would, after the last three years, uh, you would support uh, men and women as elders, a senior pastor, as, as everything within the church? And this is the crux of the question. This is the crux of the conversation. We're going to look at some scripture here in a minute. 
But this, to me, is the crux of the situation. And I'm going to do my best to kind of explain this and, and break this down. Let's see what Rick is saying, not just about women teaching, not just about women participating in church, all these other things that I think myself, Mike Winger, uh, Alan Parr, Mike Signorelli, people all over the spectrum would say, yeah, women can exercise their spiritual gifts in church. But the question comes down to, can a woman be an elder slash lead pastor slash overseer, bishop, whatever you want to call it, per Titus, per First Timothy 3? I would, I would, I would, but I, but here's what I'd say. Be, because I have to say, this is my interpretation. I- so he's like, I would affirm that a woman can be a head pastor and an elder, but this is my interpretation. So he's, he's attempting to be humble here, but he is taking a stand. I have to say with humility, it doesn't bother me if you disagree with me. Mm-hmm. For 2,000 years, the church has debated the role of women in culture. But to make it a, te- a litmus test for are you a Baptist or not is nonsense. Because the very first the very first Baptist confession, the 1610, says the officers of the church are elder, not pastor, and deacons and deaconesses. Mm-hmm. That's the original Baptist confession. So do you want to go back to the original or, or, or not? Um, and so go read the preamble of the Baptist faith message, which it says this is not binding on anybody. It says it in the preamble. This is not binding on any church. But now we're turning it a, a, a confession into a creed. And we're weaponizing it. We're starting an inquisition. And if this this now falls into place, any pastor each week can stand up and say, I want to kick out that church because they disagree on dispensationalism. Hmm. We should kick out churches for sin. We should kick out churches that harm the testimony of the of the convention. This isn't harming the testimony of anybody. Hmm. And, well. and it's, a, it's what's a, disp- a disputable issue, as Paul says in Romans 14. The problem with the fundamentalists is there are no disputable, no secondary issues with them. Every one of them matters. I like that he keeps his blaming the, the fundamentalists for it. Primary and secondary issues, not not specifically with this, but okay. So they're going to get into the primary secondary issues. I want to show you guys a couple passages real quick um, to give you guys my thoughts. Those of you guys that care what my thoughts are, and there's just two real main scriptures that we got to look at. Okay, um, so when it, we all know Timothy, we all know the passage of um, you know a man overseer elder, bishop, okay? We know that passage. Uh, It's echoed in Titus. Um, But there's a couple of passages we have to look at. Now, oftentimes, folks that are complementarian will always say, uh, well, 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 Phoebe was an elder, an elder per 1 Timothy 3. Okay, here's Romans 16.1. I commend you to our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church. Okay, every translation here I'm seeing says deacon or servant. So the question to you guys is, I'm going to push back against the anti-women speaking, anti-women doing anything. The question to those folks right now, the hard question you got to ask is, are you okay with women deacons, with women servants, so on and so forth? That's the first question. Okay, so it says that she was a servant a, uh, uh, and a deacon. Okay, so remember, 1 Timothy 3 uh, lays out elders and deacons, the requirements for elders and deacons. Okay, so that's that's question one. Are, if you're, uh, Rick Warren's bad, he's a bad guy, he's, he's wrong, are you okay with this? Now, here is the flip side of this whole conversation. Folks who hold a hard complementarian position, and I, and I would love to have this conversation, and I, I think I will, not that I really even stay up at night, but they tend to view 1 Timothy 3, the uh, requirements of an elder or an overseer, they view that word elder as interchangeable with the word pastor, okay? So some folks will say you cannot have women pastors because a pastor is always an elder. But here's the issue with that, friends. That word elder in 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus is not the same word as pastor. 
Big shocker, isn't it? Matter of fact, if we go to uh, Ephesians chapter 4, here's every translation of it, right? And it says, so So this is Ephesians 4. This is the, the roles of a church. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. And every one of these that you look at, it'll be have some variation of that, okay? But this word pastors, okay, is actually, and the ESV does a good job of this, the shepherds, okay? So the word pastor isn't, this is not the same word. You guys can fact check me on this. Go to the Hebrew, go to the Greek, go get the uh, Blue Letter Study Bible. Go do it, do the research. Not the same word. That's not the same word that's in Titus. That's not the same word that's in 1 Timothy 3. Not the same word. This word is shepherds. And when you look it up in the Greek, you'll see it all over, all over the Bible that it's interchangeable. And the original Greek is the same word that Jesus is using when he says, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice. Shepherd, shepherd, shepherd. So the word pastor that we see is used once in the entire New Testament for the word shepherd. Okay? Shepherd, pastor is not the same thing as elder, overseer. Question becomes... Can women be pastors? What it, I would say, what does that word mean to you in your denominational camp? What does pastor mean? Does it mean overseer, bishop, elder of a church, head pastor? Or does it mean a worship pastor, a woman's pastor, a children's pastor, a shepherd of people? She is shepherding people. Rick Warren is going on. He's saying, I think women can be, I think women can be full-on elders, okay? I think women could be elders, overseers. The other side of the spectrum is saying, no, women can't be pastors, but they're literally using the word pastor. Do you guys see the, the word game salad that we're doing here, okay? I would ask, do you believe a woman can plant a church and can lead a church? Can a woman plant a church and lead a church? This is where I would disagree with Rick Warren. I would say, I think women could teach. I know there's the verse about 1 Corinthians, women should sit silent. No one takes that verse literally. Because most of you guys that say women can't teach, still let your women talk in church. You let them teach children. Okay? So that verse is, is there. So my question would be, I, I, I don't think that that verse is saying that. I personally don't believe women should be elders, overseers, lead pastors, church planters. Outside of that... And this is Mike Winger's position. This is Alan Parr's position. Outside of that, I have no problem with women doing anything in church. This would be called soft complementarianism. And I would really recommend that you go and do your due diligence on this. Go look up that word Greek in the Greek. Okay? Look up that word and see what it says. And see if it's the same word as pastors. It's not. Okay? It's not. It's not, it's not the same thing. So can a woman shepherd? I would say yes. Why not? Why would you not want a woman to shepherd? To lead other people. That's what that word actually is in Ephesians that we just looked at. Can a woman be a lead pastor overseer? My opinion, I would say no. Okay. I would say no, but this is, some of this is semantics game. Some of this is we're, we're, we're doing semantics. Some people are super triggered when any woman ever has the, the title pastor. Other people feel like women could do anything and they could plant churches and they could be lead pastors. I would say, no, I don't think so. I don't think I, because it's, it's clear that a, a man uh, shouldn't submit spiritually to a woman. That's in scripture as well. So how are you going to have men in your church if they're submitted to women 
as the lead pastor. And so there I would draw the line. I would say women cannot be a lead pastor, a head pastor, or anything like that. But other than that, I personally have no issues with women doing other stuff in ministry. And some people will tell me this is a liberal position. I've had people tell me that because they think I'm uh, egalitarian. I don't see myself as egalitarian. Okay, and so when we're when we're dealing with these types of issues, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll unpack this further in the after party. Make sure you stick around. We got to get into what do you mean by that verse? What does that verse mean? And do you use the word similarly, meaning that say all you say you believe pastor means elder overseer? Okay, respect. That's what your camp thinks. I have no problem with that. Are you also then not calling the youth pastor pastor? Is he just a youth minister? Are you being consistent in that? Because we have a lot of churches where the worship pastor ain't an elder. The youth pastor is not an elder. The junior high pastor is not an elder, right? The administrative pastor is not an elder. The executive pastor is not an elder. Most churches like that. There's a separate elder board, and then there's a separate uh, uh, serving pastoral board, right? So that's what we have to get into. And so um, this isn't about feelings or bias. I'm just giving you guys my honest assessment, looking at the scriptures. And you need to go and do this and look at the scriptures. But the deeper question in this is, should have Saddleback been kicked out because of this? I don't know, man. I I think if we're going to allow these sorts of abuses with regards to a list of 700 people who are committing SA and that goes under the table because they can't intervene, but then to kick Rick Warren out of this, I don't think those are just scales. I don't think Rick Warren's right, though. I don't think he's right on this. I don't think women could be elders and be pastors. So I think it's a nuanced take. And I think you and I get to go to the scriptures and get to examine the passages and get to look at all of it and ask yourself the simple question, where do you fall on the spectrum? I'm going to take a soft complementarian position. I'm going to be a bit more conservative uh, than Rick Warren. I'm going to be a bit more conservative than other guys. Uh, but I'm going to be right along with regards to Mike Winger and Alan Parr and all my other friends. Okay, so that would be my position. But I want to hear from you guys. What do you guys think? And, and, and I guess the deeper question is, why, if it's murky based on the verses in the Greek and the scriptures, why does this get elevated to an essential issue? Why do people get so angry over this? Some of you guys are angry and losing it right now in the comment section. You think I'm speaking for my feelings when I'm pointing you straight back to scripture. Why do you think this is such a divisive and polarizing conversation? I want to hear from you guys. If you guys want to see the initial situation that sparked all this with Rick Warren and Saddleback and his clapback and all that kind of stuff, I'll put that over here. If you want to go the Extra Mile Partner in our online community to get exclusive access of our our podcast before they come out, our daily after-party stream replays, Discord, discount codes to our store, all that stuff will be pinned over here. Love you guys. Appreciate you. I'll see you over there, all right? Peace.